Central. This is Tech Radio. All things computers, gadgets and web happening right now in Ireland. Hear us anytime on iTunes or download from techcentral.ie. Central. How you doing? This is Dusty Rhodes. Welcome to this week's Tech Radio with all the latest in tech from around Ireland and across the world. Thank you for downloading from our website at techcentral.ie using your favourite podcast app on your smartphone or indeed listening on DAB Digital Radio with RTE Radio 1 Extra. Joining me as ever is Niall Kitson at Tech Central HQ and we thought since it's the height of summer we could kind of get into reflective mode maybe look back at some of the stories that have been building through the first half of the year that have kind of caught our attention and one of those stories Niall is one that's been building and building and building and now bam it's here and I am of course talking about Windows 10 Windows 10 190 countries the 29th of July uh, were you first in line to download it Nope. <laughs> okay. Well, well, fair enough. Let's let's look at who this actually uh, affects then. If you're a user of Windows 7, Windows 8, or Windows 8.1, you've probably had a, a, a little sort of naggy icon in the bottom right hand of your screen on your toolbar. Uh, and that was basically a link to click to, to update kind of a thing. Or, you know, did you know Windows 10 is coming and it's going to be awesome? And there's going to be a whole bunch of new features in it and you're going to love it. And you're going to get rid of all the old versions of the OS because Windows 7, it's, it's time has passed even though everybody really likes it uh, Windows 8 and 8.1 their time is gone because people really didn't like it uh, and this is the future um, okay can you list off a couple of features that are new seeing as we've talked about them over the past year well you see that's the funny thing it's kind of like they fixed the start key they did <sighs> What else does it do? Uh, they're giving it away for free uh, for anybody yeah. who, who is running a, a relatively recent version of uh, Windows. And, uh, and, uh, and it's better than Windows 8. Yes, all true. And kind of low-hanging fruit when you think about it. I mean, uh, strictly speaking, any update to an operating system has to be an improvement somewhere. And, and yet mm. they singularly failed to achieve that with Windows 8.1 because they took all the easy bits of Windows and threw them out and brought in some new hard bits of Windows, and everyone said, just just give us what we know. We're happier with it. So with Windows 10, Microsoft has gone back to giving people what they know and what they actually like, without giving up entirely on the tiled user interface, which, in fairness, worked very well on some devices. If you had a tablet or a smartphone, having the, the tiled interface worked really well. And you're actually seeing that filter into web design as well, where tiled homepages mm. are coming into vogue. So, it, you know, let's not go completely crazy and say this was a terrible user interface. Just for the desktop, it wasn't very good. Uh, now, uh, what Windows 10 is doing, which is kind of funky, uh, especially if you have a convertible device that works as either a laptop or a tablet or a, a detachable screen or something like that, it will detect when something is in the laptop mode and give you a regular desktop, or it will detect when you are using something as a tablet and give you the tablet interface. So that's kind of cool. Uh, very importantly, though, uh, which you didn't have with Windows 8, 8.1 and legacy versions, is that if there is now a single development prog- process for any Windows app. So if you want something to look good on a smartphone, on a tablet, or on the desktop, as a developer, you only have to go through one process for Windows now, which is really important. Um, and I think that's a really good selling point for it. So a bunch of other stuff that we probably don't have already, but you really should be interested in. There's a, a new browser called Edge, which absolutely is an Internet Explorer. It's very usable. It's very fast, very important. Um, there is Cortana, the uh, voice assistant, which definitely isn't Siri, definitely isn't Google Now. And if you're Irish, definitely isn't here. <laughs> 
<laughs> because they're working on some localization issues, like uh, which usually comes down to accents and that sort mm. of thing. Uh, so we'll have it in the near future. There is also Control Center, which works an awful lot like uh, the Notifications Center in uh, the current version of Mac OS X, uh, also which does pretty much the same thing um, when you swipe down from the bottom, from the top of your uh, Android or iOS device, uh, you know, it just sort of gives you that at a glance update as to what's going on with your device. That's what uh, Control Center does for uh, Windows 10. Um, as we said, Star Menu is back. It's got the live tiles in it, which actually looks okay. You can, you, you kind of have to offer that up as a concession. So Microsoft are like, well, we weren't totally wrong in going with live tiles on the on the start screen on the uh, on the um, desktop, and and here's why. So you kind of g- uh, got to give them that much. Uh, and they've they've got this virtual desktop management system, which uh, if you are a Mac user, uh, you will be very familiar with already. Uh, if you use Spaces or Expose or Mission Control or one of these things, there's nothing really new in it. But it's there and it's easy to use. And I guess people might warm to it depending on what the uh, what you're interested in. And oddly enough, there has not been a disastrous rollout. I mean, people have just been able to download. And I'm not hearing any stories of, you know, well, the servers nope. broke down and all this True. kind of stuff. Well, I was going to say that. I mean, there is there's an awful lot in it, uh, and yeah. it, it is something that has been building and building and building, and quite positively uh, so far uh, throughout the year. And it's brilliant to see that it's here. Uh, from your tinkering with it, do you like it? I have been on build 101.62 on the enterprise version, so I don't get the full version until the 1st of August, mm-hmm. right? So uh, the show will be online a few days before I, I get the, the full treatment. But so far, I have to say I like it a lot. Uh, it does everything I want it to. It gets out of the way when I want it to. Uh, I've been using it on a Surface Pro. Um, so uh, I connect it up to an additional monitor. So I get sort of the proper desktop and I get the proper mobile uh, interface mm. when I want it. And they all work very well. So, you know, cool. thumbs up for me. One, one other question, and this is, this is what's going to stop an awful lot of people from, from installing it. If they have their, their, their computers there, the hardware, and then they're running Windows 7 or 8 or whatever it happens to be, and they're quite happy with it, uh, the, what's the installation process like uh, getting Windows 10 onto, onto a machine like that? Well, it's actually really painless. It's as painless as upgrading. <laughs> Again, if you're a Mac user, you know the process. Always back up your stuff anyway. I mean, that's, that's sound advice, but... Uh, it basically does everything on its own. You don't have to worry about reinstalling your apps or anything like that. Uh, everything will be there just as you left it. So definitely worth a while. Well, anybody who listens to this podcast will be able to do it in their sleep anyways. So that's Windows 10. That's one of the stories that's been, uh, uh, as anybody listening to the show regularly will know, has been capturing our attention for the last couple of months. Uh, some other stuff, actually, highlights, if you like, during uh, earlier in the year, because I was thinking back, what really impressed me? Um, one of the things that really impressed me was the Samsung Gear uh, VR. When it came out, and this is kind of like a virtual reality headset. Uh, they're flogging it for 200 quid. It seems very cheap. You need to supply your own um, Samsung, uh, Samsung Galaxy Note 4 <laughs> with the actual tech and, uh, and screen attached to it. But essentially what you do is you insert your phone into this this headset thing and then it, it turns into a virtual reality headset and you can look around. I mean, the video is stunning when you put this on. One of the demonstration videos is uh, you're like 20 feet up in the air and you're looking at a safari scene uh, and you're chasing an elephant, not a lion. Um, and, you know, kind of if you want to have a look at something that's off to the right, well, you just turn your head and you can see what's happening to the right and it's all happening in real time. And now, is this the phone that's actually doing all the work? Oh, the, 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 the phone. Head- 
headset oh, is just holding it in that's place. all the headset is literally holding it in place and then the headset does a little kind of separation kind of a thing like uh, 3d glasses or something like that i think it may not mm-hmm. quite be 3d glasses but it, it, it's uh, it's something like that because actually you're putting a phone screen like you know one inch in front of your eyeballs so it does mm. something with them to, to focus them um but it is quite the experience uh when you try it first and th- we'd been talking about virtual reality and you've you've got your your own headset to, um oh what's the name of the other headset you like the oculus the <laughs> there oculus you go Rift. that's the one yeah, yeah yeah absolutely and kind of there's there's a world of difference listening to you know people like us talking about it or people on the web doing their reviews and talking about it and actually experiencing it and when i experienced it i went wow all right and then immediately i thought of the applications and it wasn't just you know kind of movies uh i thought for gaming those virtual reality headsets huge but also for teaching people things yeah and And you know what you can actually order google cardboard off their website Mm. and that is again the cheaper version of uh figuring out how to use virtual Mm. reality and i was using it in the office the other day and it is Absolutely brilliant. Such a simple idea. Again, your phone does all the, all the work. And, uh, yep, doing things yep. like uh, tours around galleries um, on the uh, software. There's a, a way you can navigate your way through the palace at Versailles. Uh, and, yeah, it's it's stunning stuff. And you can really start to see the applications that before you would have Exactly. Run, it's a you know, gaming thing. And it's like one of the things, it's like, you know, kind of, a, it's like a live view or like a, a, a real view, if you like, of street view. Because, you know, I use, when I'm traveling now, it's kind of, well, I need to get to this uh, particular destination. So I use street view to kind of have a look around so that when I get there in reality, it will be familiar. <laughs> But yeah. if you do that with a VR headset on you, can you imagine? So anyways, that, that impressed me. But then what really impressed me then after that was YouTube and the 360 videos that they've come around. And, uh, but as an essentially, if you don't know what a, a YouTube 360 video is, is, is essentially you can turn your phone or your tablet or whatever in any direction and you'll see what's happening in the video in that direction. And I've as, been having, as it sounds like, yes. Yeah, and uh, and I've been having great crack on my phone, going, "Oh, have you seen these uh, new YouTube videos?" Da, 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 and I just hold the phone in front of me with the with the person. I say, "Ah, they're showing the video. Ah, there's your man's girlfriend. He's off to the right, like you know, and you can't see her unless you do this." <laughs> <laughs> then I moved the phone. You'd want to see the reaction of people. It's absolutely priceless. They go, oh my God. <laughs> it's really good. And so that, that, that impressed me. And then the other thing that impressed me, it impressed me and it disappointed me at the same time was, uh, was Chromecast. That is just such a success for, uh, uh, for Google. Um, it, it, you know, it, it, it's, it's an all right bit of kit. Um, and, and what it does, what it does, like it, which is basically Netflix and YouTube. I, I haven't really found any other use for it. But what really disappointed me about it was that I spent like an extra, it must have been an extra 400 quid making sure that I got a smart TV the last time I was buying a TV. And now this bloody Google Chromecast does it for a, a tenth of the price. <laughs> yeah, they're like, what, 35 euro now? They're pretty much thrown <laughs> out the door. I know. I know. And then I was talking to uh, 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 another friend of mine who's a, uh, uh, wouldn't be no, no spring chicken shall we say anyway and okay. she's kind of going oh yeah sure I have Chromecast on the telly in the bedroom and I'm like, ah well listen you know now I know it's ubiquitous uh, the other thing that has just been introduced uh, something we've been talking about as, as we go along as well that we're both quite impressed with is the new postal code system ah you're more impressed with it than I am because uh, I've I've done a bit of reading around it and I've come up I've found some very valid criticisms of it but there's something you are quite impressed with 
uh, in it. So, so tell us why you like it. Well, uh, it's you know postcodes are used across the world to actually you know really identify and precisely you know point out that this particular house in this particular location. <laughs> That's all it does, all right? Uh, we haven't had one in Ireland, which is a bit unusual, but it's a, it's a small country. So I feel like it's bringing us into the international standards, if you like. It's something. And also, you know, it's really annoying when you're on a website and it's going, enter your postcode here. And you're going, seven <laughs> or, or two or whatever it is you have in Dublin. And, and then the website's going, that's not a real postcode. <laughs> so it's kind of nice to have that. But uh, I was uh, I was quite impressed with Aircode in that a lot of the things they have thought out of, including where uh, they don't have the letter O and they don't have the letter I in any of the codes. Okay. If you see something that looks like an O, it's the number zero. And if you see something that looks like the I, it's the number one. And the way the machine reads it is that no matter whether you write an O or a zero or whether you write an I or a one, the machine will interpret it as a zero and a one. And I thought, ah, that's a bit of thinking ahead. So, uh, yeah, I like it. You know, I mean, it's not going to rock my world, but it was a nice little uh, uh, piece of progress earlier on in the year. But you are one of the naysayers. You're you're one no, of these people I, going, no, they've messed it up. It's a disaster. Well, I came across a very, um, very illuminating blog post by uh, Professor Brian M. Lucy, who I gather teaches at Trinity College. And uh, he has some very valid criticisms of it. And it comes down to... Uh, pairing off air code against another system that I thought was going to be taken up nationally and wasn't called Locate. Uh, have you ever used that? I did at the time when they were talking about it, but I don't remember it right yeah, now. Yeah, now loc- Locate, for anyone that doesn't use it, uh, it's a free nine-digit code that's generated based on kind of, yeah, just based on your GPS coordinates, really. Um, and you say, I am here, and it generates a code, and it's sort of a self-service model, right? Because... Uh, because it's based uh, around GPS, so it's it, you don't it doesn't need to know you know that you have a letterbox here that that there is a letterbox there. It goes oh that's a that's a landmark okay right there. So if you're living in an apartment block, you could potentially all have the same postcode, even though you have separate mailboxes. Mm. Uh, you do have the same locate code. The logic being that you know if the postman got as far as the front door, that's enough. You know, mm. he can he can find the the post box for number five or number six within the building. The hard work has been done by the locate code already. Mm. So one of the main criticisms that's made about uh, Aircode is that it is database driven. So it's not uh, a matter of you know you put in your GPS coordinates into a into a formula and it spits it back out at you. You have to apply, right? And this doesn't apply to you know landmarks or anything like that. It applies to dwellings with a post box. Right. So if you are at, say, a landmark, right, so we'll say the, the big rock at the end of the road, uh, which you make the turn off for the house at the bottom of the lane kind mm. of a thing, uh, where you might necessarily have numbers or anything like that, uh, that landmark doesn't have an air code, right, which makes it absolutely useless for, say, the emergency services. Say you are out in, uh, in the woods, for example, and you fall off your bike because you've been mountain biking. Uh, you cannot put your location in and get a locate code or something like that or send off your GPS. If you have uh, an air code, you can't get an air code. You know, so, basically, so basically, when I say that air code has brought us into the international marketplace of, you know, whatever, uh, and that it's making Irish addresses now kind of up to the international standard, you're saying, yeah, the international standard from 1980, maybe. 
Yeah, I think that's a pretty fair criticism. I mean, if you, if you look at AirCode, because it's a database, it's, uh, you know, you're walking around with this two gigabytes worth, uh, worth of data. But particularly related to what we should be doing in Ireland at the moment, which is building more houses. Uh, with Locate, you could just put in your, your what's it and you'll get, a, you'll get a code back. What is the, pl- the application process, process for AirCode? How long does it actually take to get an AirCode? Oh, oh, go on. So, I mean, we need all these new houses, all these new post boxes need to be built in the country. And we don't know how quick the reaction is going to be when we say, what's my code? This is an entirely new area. All right. Anything else you don't like about air code or is that the main gripe? That's the main gripe at the ah. moment, I'm sure. Look, I mean, it wasn't, it wasn't a system that was tested either. But, you know, let's move on from that. Mm. Other uh, things have happened this year. Yes, indeed. And actually, one thing that we've been talking about, not only this year, but uh, last year and possibly even the year before, I think, has been this uh, partnership between the ESB and Vodafone, uh, where they're going to bring uh, high-speed broadband to every house in the country. And I think this is just genius because every house in the country has electricity, even the most remote shack at the top of a, a, a mountain in, in Kerry or, or Donegal or whatever, they've got electricity. So use that existing infrastructure to bring people um, internet. Yeah, makes total sense. And what's even better is that uh, the ESB Vodafone joint venture, which is called Syro, uh, has the capability to, to deliver gigabit broadband access uh, for wherever it has its fibre to the home technology. Uh, now, just to explain a little bit about the broadband technology underlying uh, what's going on, because you might have thought, well, isn't this how broadband works already? And it's, it's not. So what ESB and Vodafone uh, are doing is they're running fibre connections all the way into your house, all the way into the junction point where your phone connects to the, or where your router connects to the network. You might have thought you have that already. Um, no, what other people like UPC have is what they called uh, fiber to the cabinet, which basically means the fiber runs into sort of a, a phone junction box and the last 300 meters or so goes all the way into your house. Mm. So you've got most of the benefits of a a fibre connection, except for the last bit, which um, Aircom already have, which is that bit of copper going from uh, your house to the junction box. Because the ESB already have that direct line into your house, that's the infrastructure that they're using uh, to get fibre in. Um, You know, so that's, that's behind it. Now, you cannot buy, as a consumer, you cannot, you won't be able to sign up to CSIRO. You will be able to go up to broadband by Syro with brand X on top of it. Say if Sky went, yeah, we're not happy with our Aircom deal anymore. We'll, we'll buy out of that and we'll just go at ESP Vodafone ah. and that will be the Sky service oh. or some other brand might appear. That's what's going to happen. Um, incidentally, if you want to know the limits of your current fiber to the cabinet uh, technology that you're using with UPC, it's 240 megabits per second, which ironically enough, or appropriately enough, is what they're marketing at the moment as their top end product. Yes. Uh, and is 240 megabits per second not fast enough? <laughs> yeah, we've no idea what you're going yeah. to use gigabit broadband. Well, I, you know, I can't download uh, pictures of, of, uh, of cats quick enough from Facebook. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's it. That is the interesting thing. But a couple of other interesting things about Syro. I mean, we, we did an interview with them mm. on uh, on our April 17th uh, edition. We talked to Stephen O'Connor, who's the Director of Corporate Affairs there. And he, t- he spoke to us a little bit about their um, their marketing strategy as well. Important to notice is that Syro uh, 
connections will be happening not within the Dublin area, but they've targeted 50 small towns around Ireland that they're going to start rolling out. And they're also looking towards what the government is going to do with their national broadband plan, which we're going to know a little bit more about later on in the year. Excellent. Now, another story that, of course, you know, in some ways uh, there was there was positive sides to stories with one brand and then in other ways there were really negative connotations uh, with another brand. And this is the the ongoing area of music online and how artists are being ripped off and they're not getting any money uh, to go out and buy their 67 foot long gold plated yachts to sail around the Mediterranean in. Um and we had, I'm talking about Apple Music and I'm talking about Tidal. And Tidal was just a disaster. Absolutely. It was. I think I think it was referred to as tone deaf. I think oh, that's the only way you could describe God. that. Appalling, appalling. You know, you've got Jay-Z, wasn't it? Like one of the yes. richest musicians in the world who's married to... Beyonce, the other richest musician in the world, you know, and the kind of the guy on about, oh, the poor musicians don't have enough money and they're not getting enough money from streaming. So that's why we've started Tidal and uh, with Madonna, another of them. <laughs> yeah. like, well, do you, do you oh. know what Tidal doesn't have enough of? Cons- uh, 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 subscribers, I would have said. Yes, exactly. <laughs> subscribers. I think they've got maybe 50,000 oh, subscribers. It's you know, and, yeah. And, and do you know what? Actually, do you know what? The penny's just dropping with me now. The, the problem with Tidal was they made it all about them. Yeah, they made it all and about them. And do you know what? How, it doesn't matter how much you like a band, all right, and how well or how badly your band are doing, you don't care. All right. All you care about is, is this app on my phone going to play the music that I wanted to play? And how much is it going to cost me? That's all you care. Mm, mostly, yeah. And yeah. I think that Apple, uh, th- now, sorry, I have to put my hand up and say I have not used Apple Music uh, and I don't really intend to use Apple Music. Um, but from what I hear, it seems to be, yeah, okay. Well, my my advice to you on Apple Music is to give it a go. Well, right? I was going to do that, and I have an old iPhone four, or whatever, and and uh, the advice was, oh no, <laughs> that was that was my advice. For, first, <laughs> firstly, oh, you're going to need to upgrade, and my advice is, don't upgrade. <laughs> Yeah, you, you need like, iOS eight point four, which will pretty much break an iPhone four. Uh, it's I, not, uh, not going to. I must, I must steal, I must steal my wife's phone because she keeps up with that. She's got the latest uh, iPhone, so I'm, I must try it out on that. But I've no experience of, of, of Apple Music, but strangely, is you know, kind of most of what I hear back about Apple Music is somewhere between it's brilliant to yeah, what's the big deal? Yeah, well, I mean, uh, largely because it's got a three-month free, free trial period, okay? If you if you signed up on day one, you've got three months to figure out whether you like it or not. Um, it's €10 Euros per month, fourteen ninety nine, I think, for a family pass, uh, mm. which I think lets you put it onto six machines. Yeah. Um, the, the only thing is, I do not spend nine ninety nine a month on new CDs. I, I just don't have time to listen to that much new music. I will stop by into things in YouTube uh, I might listen to something once or twice. Go, all oh, right, okay, that's that's what that's about. That's fine. If I like something well enough, I'll go out and I'll buy the CD. What I will say about Apple Music is that I really like 
the way it gets better, the more information you give. Yeah, I know that's terrible, but I made sure I didn't want to spend hours and hours going through junk. Yeah. So I gave it as much information about my taste in music as possible. And guess what? It's been really good for discovering stuff. And I've been uh, inundated with really good albums, albums that I know, albums that I don't, that I've ended up really liking. Uh, so as a service, I think it's really good. Um, I'm in favor of it. I have it running on a device that I don't have any other music on it, which means that I've sidestepped a lot of problems people have had with syncing, specifically with iTunes Match, uh, with downloading uh, Genius Playlists, uh, which it doesn't support at the moment. So all the problems that I've uh, that other people have encountered with existing music on their devices um, that, uh, that Apple Music seems to sort of do away with to, mm. to a large extent, I haven't experienced those. So um, my my enjoyment of it has been pretty much uninterrupted. It hasn't annoyed me in any way. And I've picked up some really nice uh, oh. albums along the way. Yeah, well, now you seem to have a positive uh, experience of it. And I'm just going to say streaming music uh, here, okay? Um, because I would have been kind of like you. I've never, I never had the problem of paying for music because I was always being given albums and singles and stuff like that. Like uh, for Donkey's Years, my problem was I didn't really have enough time to listen to music. Or if I needed to listen to something, I couldn't get my hands on it. Or if, you know, that kind of a way, right? Um, and yeah. then I got the Spotify, which I've had for the last year, year and a half or whatever. And I find that I'm listening to a lot more music on it. All right. Whatever about the price. But I might just exploring a lot more because I will see somebody on TV or YouTube. I go, oh, they're quite good. And then I'll listen to the album and I'll just, I'll just stick on the album and, you know, I'm going off for a drive of the car or something like that. And I'll listen to it there. Or I'll listen to it while I'm, uh, while I'm cooking dinner because it's just there. Do you know what I mean? I don't have to go to a shelf. I don't have to dig through a box looking for, I don't have to call somebody and say, send me a copy of that. Do you know what I mean? Um, yeah. and I find that and, and you and I are both having the same thing with streaming music. All right. It's uh, whatever it, it put the whole money thing aside is that we're enjoying more music. Because we have that yeah. streaming app, uh, but right. you know we're cognizant of the fact that it's a it's a terrible deal for musicians. Terrible deal. I mean, the royalties from streaming are abysmal. Uh, don't don't even at this late in the show. Don't even start me off because I actually think that the uh, uh, the royalty costs are <laughs> ridiculously high as to what the musicians are getting. All right, uh, if you compare that back to you know what musicians are getting out of airplay, if you get it uh, on television or on radio, uh, the, the fact of the matter is is that when you're a musician, you make your money in many, 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 many different ways. And royalty is just one of them. Okay. So that's so, all. And okay, we won't, we won't get into detail. No, 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 I'm not. But I'm just saying royalty is only one of them. There are other ways that they do. Do you know what I mean? And even though you might not be getting the royalties out of those streaming services, people like yourself and myself are actually sitting down and listening to your album, which we would never have done, and far more likely probably to go to and see that artist if they're playing live in the city. Or if they have a... Oh, goodness knows. Do you know what I mean? There's, there's so many. And businesses are changing all the time. And I think... My only thing I would say on on this is that the world is changing and how we do things is changing and music is part of that. And I actually think that in a couple of years' time, everybody would just stream their music. Same way that we're streaming our TV shows with Netflix. Look what we're doing. Yeah. You know, it's crazy. And it's amazing how quickly these these things change and, and that you get used to it. Like, you know, so there, I mean, that, there's a lot when you think about, you know, ah, not that much has been happening. 
and then we're just sitting down for you know whatever 20 or 30 minutes and look at everything that we've covered that has been happening you know new windows virtual reality the, the, the 360 videos we've got gigabit broadband that is coming in we've got new postal codes the, you know, we've got all this streaming music streaming TV we are a small little island sitting on the premises of a nasty ocean called the Atlantic which likes to spit nothing but clouds and rain on us I think we're doing pretty good in the tech stakes we're doing pretty good and you know what that's only a sample of what's going on this year there you go listen that is our tech radio show for today it's all we have time for man we squeezed a lot in there thank you so much for listening do remember you can get hourly updates on tech news along with daily newsletters from techcentral.ie as well as our weekly tech radio show online and of course every Friday at 6pm on DAB Digital Radio with RTE Radio 1 Extra until next time from myself Dusty and from Niall Kitson at Tech Central HQ thanks for listening take care get tech radio subscribe for free with iTunes or download on demand at techcentral.ie Tech Radio is produced by digitalaudioproductions.com Tech Central